like Jen, I quit. Oh yeah. My I'm just goal, gonna my watch goal with is the to be that person on a Comic Con panel that says the one thing that everyone in the room just cannot handle and they storm out. It's like that's right. San Diego that's goes up right. in flames. I did say Lovecraft is trash and shouldn't be published. That's right, I did. <laughs> Should we get on with it then? Yes. Yay! Welcome to episode 22 of the Semi-Bookish Podcast. And if after the fact I figure out it was actually episode 23, so what? It's 22.5. We're feeling 22. We're feeling 22. <laughs> Would that be uh, 22-ish? I'm sorry. I go there. No, no. He <laughs> I was there. just not going to sing the Taylor Swift song, so. Wait, is that a song? Jesus Christ. <laughs> <laughs> Speaking of fantasy. Oh. oh. Wow, um, greatest work of fiction ever. But it, that's another podcast. Uh, to um, all of to all of our genuine believers, we affirm your faith. And no, this is not me being sarcastic. This is me having been raised by two still die in the wool Christians. Okay, I, I, I was way. calling on the Lord to help me. In if the moment. Lord <laughs> hasn't smited me yet or smote me, you know, smote's pretty. I kind of want to use a smutted, but that's a whole different um, thing. But like, if he hasn't smoted me yet. Smite gun. The smite gun is coming. I mean... Shout out to everyone in my seventh grade religion class who still remembers the smite gun. None of you are listening to this podcast, I'm sure. He may work on a schedule, so he just hasn't gotten to the 21st century yet. I mean, this is fair. There are some. There are far worse people than I in this world. I mean, you know, he might be still... He left it to us to take out Hitler, so... <laughs> and he's like, no, no, this is on you. I gotta take a back seat to this one. The world may not survive. If he's I... like, he's like, that dude's so bad. The British hate him. <laughs> well, most of the British hated him. Oh well, yeah. <laughs> There's no accounting for the royals. <laughs> Anyways, that was off topic. Yeah, slightly. <laughs> a few miles off topic. Although we are talking about. So you know, what are we talking about, Anthony? Fantasy! Fantasy! Is it like, you know, an orange soda? You know, in a pool? Fantasy? Wow. Andy, what are you reading? Get out. Get out. I'm reading multiple things. I feel like I'm finding my stride again. I'm listening to The Girl with All the Gifts by M.R. Carey. Yeah. And it's really shaping up to be, like, I didn't expect it. Like, the description gives one thing, but as I'm getting into it, there are children being scientifically experimented upon. There's a post-apocalyptic vibe that's happening. Um... There's even hints of a zombie narrative coming into the play a little bit, which... What? Carry on. You don't heard me right. I heard. Um, and I'm really, really enjoying it. I'm listening to the audiobook right now, and I can't even, I'm not even going to look up the narrator. Maybe look it up later, but she's doing a great job. Um, I'm also reading Dragons of Autumn... No, not Autumn. Dragons of Winter Night, the <laughs> book two in the Dragonlance the saga. I have about 260 more to go to finish off the entire franchise. Of course. And it's... It kind of lends well to fantasy. It's this is which actually is a misconception. Kinda, it a misconception. Like when you say fantasy, I think swords, sorcery, dragons, wizards, you know, barbarians and stuff like that. Fantasy, and crazy orcs. And really quick, am I reading anything else? Because I feel like I'm, uh, I no, I think that's all I'm reading right now. Lord Ish. Ah! <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> Oh, so. Um, that was a lot. God, you're already stressed. We haven't even gotten to the argument yet. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right, so I just finished The Sparrow by Mary Doria Russell. Yay! I will briefly touch yes! upon it because... There's a lot to unpack. There's a lot to unpack. Did you finish it? I forget. Yes. Okay. All there's right. a lot so, to unpack in this book. Oh, it's very emotionally taxing, especially in like the last yes. quarter of yes. the book. Yes. Okay. Yes. Wow. Okay. Uh... Yeah, I wasn't prepared for that. Um, wow. But yeah, yeah it's, it, it's a good. Um, and now I am reading... Uh, what am I reading? Oh, Kingdom, The Kingdom of Gods by N.K. Jemisin, which is the final part Jemison. in the trilogy. Ooh. Nice. Our so, currently enthroned, rightfully so, queen of fantasy. Period. I want you to know that I gave a friend of uh, my copy of Hundred Thousand Kingdoms. Yeah. Because I ended up, I, I don't know where it came across, because I listened to it. Yeah. But like, I somehow had a copy. I'm yeah. like, oh, I'm gonna set this on the shelf. And like the next day, somebody was talking about stuff. I'm like, Parker, you need to read this. Yeah. And he's like, all right, I'll take it back. You know, I'll take it. I'll take it back and read it. I'm like, good. Let me know what you think. But I just want to let you know, I had a copy. I had to give it to someone because I really did enjoy it. And may, eventually, I will get to the others. May the subjects of her kingdom grow. 
I'm sorry. <laughs> Are you reading any more? Uh, no, it's just go. that oh. at the moment. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, so for context, um, to Grant's story that he just finished, when he means emotionally taxing, it's also religiously emotionally taxing mm, yes. because it touches on the question of where is God when you need him? Mm-hmm. In the most science fiction way you can imagine. Oh, well. That, okay. Um, <laughs> but it's actually really good. I really recommend it. Anyways. Nice. I think I need to be a little more mentally stable before I get to that one. I'm a little excited, too, because I was looking on Goodreads, and one of my tough nut friends who doesn't like much in the world, um, I mean, she's wonderful, but she gave it five stars, so I'm like, woof. Yeah. Oh. Um, so I'm currently reading The Darkest Part of the Forest by Holly Black. Nice. I'm still on my fantasy binge that I have all these books yeah, in my house for. You're ready for today. <laughs> um, and then after that, because I'm about halfway through right now, after that I'm going to start, I believe, Among the Beasts and Briars by Ashley Poston. That's next on oh, the list. Nice. I'm trying to, like, do a like long read and I'm trying to finish all the ones that have like no like real sequel to it first. Good call. Yeah. So that way I can get to like Serpent and Dove, yeah. which is on my list, or Caraval, which is also on my list, which both have sequels to they're, it. I believe they're both trilogies. And that's a se I have Angel Made by Garth Nix on there and all this other stuff and they're all pretty much like trilogies and I'm like, I can't finish all of them when I only have the first book at my house. Anyways, uh, Jen. Yeah, seeing as Anthony needed to step aside for a moment, which I'm sure we'll I'm back to. I'm so happy for this. Okay, so while I watch Anthony make us a literal diagram for this podcast? <laughs> yeah, kind of. I just started over lunch today Luck of the Titanic by Stacy Lee. Hmm, I saw I, that on your desk the other day. Yes, which is, I'm literally one chapter in, but I'm enjoying it so far. A British-Chinese girl is trying to get on board the Titanic to find her brother, who's a steamship worker. She thinks that they just are gonna go to America and hopefully start a better life now that their parents are dead, except, you know... Uh, it's the Titanic, so obviously things change a little bit in the middle there. <laughs> I appreciate that you wrote that. It reminds me of that movie with Robert Pattinson, where, like, at the very end, you realize that he's in the church, in the uh, two Twin Towers on 9-11. Yes. Oh, that movie? Yeah. That movie is mean. Yeah. So I'm sure this book is going to hurt me at some point, but I'm, again, I'm only one chapter in, and so far, she's also an acrobat, and I'm pretty sure she's about to, like, use the ship's ring to, like, climb from the dock onto the boat to get on, because somebody confiscated her ticket, because they were kind of racist about it. <laughs> so I'm really excited to see where this goes. Can we just talk about this? Nope. None, Anthony, of, the view none of the viewers can see this do diagram right now, but I am loving it. Okay, so what Maybe I Maybe it'll be the Instagram post. Yeah. What I'm currently reading is an interesting mishmash of things. So, because I am reading the fifth season by N.K. Jemisin and actually wading through it, I use that word specifically because it is so emotionally taxing in a way that her previous books have never been for me, which is strange. So I'm, I'm giving myself some time. So I decided to levy that with the first novel in the Witcher series. Unfortunately, because it is so mediocre. <laughs> the first, the first oh, I read the first chapter and there are things that are really interesting in it. And there are things that are so basic that I'm like, sir, did you write this draft in high school? Did your editor read it? Stop it. Um, and you can't even really blame that on the translation. No! There are, I mean, I granted, <laughs> I liked it. I'm glad that I read it, and I will read more. Yeah. As much as I would get to anything lately in the next in the series. Yeah. But, um, yeah, continue. Yeah, it Sorry. has, it has, and there's some stuff. Um, so, to make myself happy, to <laughs> give myself joy, I randomly plucked a Diana Wynne Jones novel off of my bookshelf last night yes. because I haven't read most of her work. I've only read two books prior to this. It's called A Sudden Wild Magic. Yes! The Sorry. best way that I can think to describe it is adult Harry in charge of the aura department discovers a problem that could destroy the world. So the only person that he knows he can trust with this information 
is his mother-in-law, Molly Weasley, <laughs> who has no connections except all of the cats in her house because that's the person that she's become. That's the best way I know how to describe Sounds this like they're book. making it like an MC Beaton kind it, of it is cozy something. It's <laughs> so fascinating. Like, there's a passage in which <laughs> they're sitting there talking, and she's like, he hasn't gotten the problem out yet, but she's saying, you know, the rain has been particularly troubling today. And then there's a descriptive passage about how the rain is, like, trying to throw itself from the clouds. She looks up at it the way that someone would look at a child who's about to get out of character. And the sun suddenly shows up all nice and bright. And she goes, see what I mean? <laughs> so irritating today. And I'm like, yes, ma'am. I am here for all of this. This is a big book. And I've never had more joy in my life. So, you know, that's where I am. Yay. <laughs> so I thought you had a format you wanted us to start with, unless you want us to start with your diagram. I do have a question. OK that I wanted to start with, um, which is, more popcorn and we'll just sort of roundhouse from me, which means that Jen's gonna answer first and I'll answer last. Okay. Um, what is the very first fantasy story that you remember? And that is, that can be literary, cinematic, it, it can be anything. What is the first fantasy story that you remember, period, like just in life? I mean, with the exception of, like, the fact that I know I watched plenty of Disney princess movies as a child, which, like, technically The Little Mermaid, I guess, but, like, the first one that stuck with me, because I'm a millennial, <laughs> is Harry Potter. Yeah. Which I picked up at, like, age eight, so not a lot of opportunity for me to get there before there. Okay. I love that. All right, Andy. This is a bit of a toss-up for me. It's gonna go into the, the the Superman realm because I yeah somewhere in my mind like I can't remember like Superman's is integral to my form like personality because yeah. like I remember him more than I remember certain family members like growing up and it, and that sounds callous but no. Star Wars is the same way Amen. you talk about like when you're talking about like that what fantasy world would you like to live in. I want to live in a galaxy a lot, you know. Yeah, I, absolutely. I don't care if, like, I'm possibly going to get, like, hunted down by the Imperial scum. <laughs> yep. And, um, <laughs> no, like, those two worlds, like, even, like, I, I make references to other things, um, Turtles and Dragonlance, they came a couple years after those two. Like, oh. like I can remember being in things before that. So it always boils, boils down to, like, Star Wars and Superman and the broader DC comics, but, like, really... Superman. And I'm going to credit Christopher Reeve for that because, like, I got into those movies before I got into the comics. You're also an 80s boy, so it makes so much sense, actually. All right, Grant. Okay. Um, I hope you make that noise every time we address you. Grant's going to be like, cast for the friendly ghost. No, I'm just um, I, as far as, like, first exposure goes, I think... I would probably have to fall under the Disney umbrella as well. Um, it got us all. Maybe like uh, the Black Cauldron. Ooh, nice. Ooh. of course. Mm. That's on I love that. Of course, even going down the Disney well, Grant chooses like one of the darkest animated features. It's possible. really good though. It yeah. is really yeah. good. It is very dark for a, for a children's movie. The, the what's the guy's name? Is he's like the King of the Dead or whatever? Oh, or, uh, I can't uh, remember the name. Uh, Ron, I think it is. Something like he's that. A, uh, uh, Celtic dark figure. Anyway, no, but he's ge he's genuinely spooky. He's spooky. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, I've never read, you know, the series that it's based on, but the first book, the Book of Three, which is the only one that I've read, it's haunting. Mm. So you know, they earned it. Yeah. Sorry. All right, Aaron. <laughs> um. So I have two separate answers because one, like book wise, and then movie wise. Ooh. Okay. Um. Book wise, what? I remember the most is also Harry Potter. I picked it up when I was like seven, but my mom was reading it beforehand because she started reading them in like 97 when they came out. Yeah. And I was like three, so obviously I can't read the first Harry Potter book because I can't read yet very well. But <laughs> um, I vividly remember in like second and third grade picking up the book that was there at the time. I believe it was Prisoner of Azkaban that was out nice. at the time. Oh, sure. Probably um, about to. Mm -hmm. Or at least that's the one that I remember, and I was reading it, and we were doing AR reading test. 
which, uh, by the way, I hate. But that's a different podcast. My teachers also hated me when I did AR tests because I would just read one Harry Potter book specifically and then knock out all the points that I needed to. <laughs> um, but it was because that's I enjoyed funny. it so much. And so they literally wouldn't let me do any AR tests on Harry Potter from then on out. But um, <sighs> movie-wise, also Black Cauldron. Nice. Um, that's one that came to mind, and I had to Google it because I couldn't remember the title of the movie. But uh, fantasy-wise, it's not... It's borderline fantasy. We'll get there. It's uh, Trolls and the Magic... And the Troll Warriors was a movie that came out in the 90s. I don't remember this. It's, it's a movie that came out in the 90s, and it was completely, like, fantasy-oriented, and it was like, this princess is stuck up in her castle, and she can't leave, yeah. and these warrior trolls are, like, slaves in this mine, and they have to, like, go save her, and then she has to, in turn, save them, and oh, okay. it's ridiculous. Wait, so this is basically Princess and the Goblin, mm-hmm. but with trolls. Yeah. Because that's literally the plot of The Princess yeah. and the Goblin. And we had a VHS okay. tape of it at my house. <laughs> and I would watch that religiously along with our VHS tape of The Black Cauldron, which are complete and utter opposites from each other. That's... And those are, like, the two main fantasy, like, things that I remember vividly the most. Yeah, that seems to fit for you. Yeah. Thanks. My, uh, this is gonna, this is really funny. Um, memory's weird. So I'm pretty sure Middle Earth was the very first thing that I was exposed to because we had all those Rankin Bass like mm-hmm. animated things. They're so kooky and weird and glorious all at the same time, um, and bear almost no resemblance to the mood of the books whatsoever. Which is probably why it took me until I was thirty to read the first The Fellowship because I'm like, this is not the card. This is not what I was raised on, man. <laughs> However. My first memory of fantasy is actually Sailor Moon because I was obsessed with that show at six. Before going to school every morning, I made sure to be dressed before Mega Man. Yes. Because I liked yes. like Mega Man kinda sorta. It wasn't as good as everything else in my six-year-old estimation. But if I wasn't ready by the time that Mega Man's credits were rolling, and they usually cut them short, then I was going to miss the theme song to Sailor Moon. And that's not necessarily the best part of the show, but it was for me at six. If Fighting Evil by Moonlight came on and I missed it, I was angry for the rest of the day. (laughs) I'm just saying. Random. But was the Mega Man that you're talking about, was that like the... Captain N, the Game Master, or was there like an actual Mega Man cartoon that I really, really... There was an actual Mega Man cartoon. There was a Mega Man cartoon, yeah. It may have been on the rerun thing by the time that I... But there was a little Mega Man cartoon, yeah. He was a little blue guy. I'm like doubting my entire life. (laughs) There was a Mega Man cartoon because I vividly remember watching Sailor Moon after in the morning. It wasn't bad, it just wasn't Sailor Moon. There was Astro Boy, and there was... Astro Boy. Astro Boy oh, was a thing, and then Cyborg yeah. 009 was a thing during the exact same time frame. Yep. So, listen. Yeah. I know it existed. <laughs> I'm so sorry, Jen so, is just yes. going whoosh. So, before I ever picked up a fantasy novel, which I think my first one was The Hobbit, um, definitely was a Sailor Moon, like, obsessive. Um, so, yeah. That's that's the first question. Okay. Did you have a second question? <laughs> of course I no did. Bad. Yeah. All right. So, at the risk of asking the stupidest question on the planet, why fantasy? <laughs> I'm going to ask it a different way. Okay. Uh-oh. And I'm, we're going to go around this way. Okay. So, it's an obsessive thing. Any of your fantasies, we all just went around and like, kind of were like, oh my god, about our like first fantasies. So what's with the whole obsession factor? Why are we obsessives when it comes to? I don't know. Our fantasies. I for mine, it was more so one nostalgic factor. Mm-hmm. I sure. really enjoyed them. Like even now, I will go back and rewatch these things, and I'm sitting there just going, yes, I adore this. This is everything I ever want. But I liked, especially as a kid, the journey watching the characters go through and. Especially, so, with Black Cauldron and the Trolls movie specifically, mm-hmm. both of the leads, besides, I know Black Cauldron has a boy lead as well, but there's a female lead in yeah, I, both mm-hmm. of them. She's great. 
And in the Trolls movie, the lead is a female character. Oh, right. Because it is the princess in the comic. <laughs> and so for me, as a like five-year-old, six-year-old, seven-year-old girl, like that's really important because, like, yes, they're being like damsels in distress sometimes, but they're also really strong in what they're doing, and that's a good like way for me to go. Wow, I want to be that strong, even though like yeah. they have those moments of just like fragility and that type of thing. Mm-hmm. But for me, it was more so being able to see female leads, yeah, in mm-hmm. a fantasy role, yeah. Doing what they're doing, kicking butt, taking names, even though yeah. there is also a male lead who is helping them. Yeah. But you can definitely see like the low key strength that they have, mm-hmm. even though they're not the main main character. Interesting. I feel like there's some stuff we can unpack there later, but that's going to really divert us from going around the circle. <laughs> You're welcome. So great. We can come back to it afterwards. Oh, that's true. Putting a pin in that. Pour some popcorn for everyone. Just a little. <laughs> Grand. Um, no, I agree. I definitely agree with uh, the journey aspect of it. I think that's. I think it goes back to like the Odyssey and stuff. I don't know. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, it's true. Yeah. Uh, I mean, escapism, going to another world. Um, I mean, with fantasy novels, usually they're part of a series, so it's easier to get attached to like the characters and their mm-hmm. continu- mm-hmm. continuing adventures yeah. and. Uh, so I guess that kind of lends itself to a certain obs- kind of obsession. Yeah. Oh, yeah, that's true. Mm-hmm. That that's Can fine. you repeat the question now? Why are you obsessed with fantasy? Or why does fantasy bring out an obsession in you? It's kind of interesting. I was focusing on those earliest examples of fantasy. I'm like, why was I obsessed with them back then? I don't know. I just wanted to be able to fly or deflect laser blast. Um, yeah. I, I think it's very much an escapist kind of thing for me. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's hard to say, because like, if you ask me like 20 years ago, 30 years ago, 35 years ago, versus five weeks ago, like all those answers are going to vary so greatly. Oh. Um, Superman, clear example. When I was, why did I love, I like the idea that this dude could fly. <laughs> I think that was just legit, like, and he's like, and it, of course, he, not even the fact that he's bending the barrel of a gun in the face of an enemy, and they're like, oh, God, he's going to get us. And then you hit a certain point where you start relating to aspects of the story. Like, you don't think about the fact that he's the only remaining. I mean, it, comics, you know, it's not so. He's not quite the only living person from that planet. Spoiler right. alert. Supergirl. Um, but, like, <laughs> you think about how heavy that is, and that he is the only remaining member of his. People. Like, in so much as he knows. But, yeah. Yeah. And so you start thinking about the maturity, or even, like, you talk about the power scale factor. Um, but you look at all these different things, like, what I like then versus what I like now. I mean, I'm going to echo, I'm going to mirror, like, what Aaron said, what Grant said. There's the adventure. There's the journey. There's the evolving, maturing narrative mm-hmm. that I think is really kind of good. I just also happen, like... The aesthetic behind it, like, because there are some really amazing historical fiction, contemporary fiction. There's many really wonderful stories out there. Yeah. But you say dystopian. You got my. What, what, what was that? Well, magic. Oh God. <laughs> you know, flowing robes. They can do martial arts at the same time. <laughs> and a good story. <laughs> So you got these wonderful, of like twelve different stories. <laughs> but it's it, it's fascinating because you have these wonderful narratives, these great stories yeah. that happen to have some crazy stuff going on. Yeah, on the surface. Yeah, and I that's that's always going to be a bit more appealing to me personally, mm. just because I want that cool story, but I also want the craziness. Interesting, Jen. Okay. In agreement with a lot of what has been said already, Aaron's female leads, the journey, the escapism, the sometimes it's just really cool that this person has a sword and is fighting people aspect of all of it. <laughs> yeah, fully that's agreed. True. Thinking yeah. about the fantasy I have liked from my first examples of like The Little Mermaid and Harry Potter all the way up until the fantasy I currently love now. Not to get, turn this into a therapy session that I didn't oh. want to have. <laughs> this is good. Yes. This is when we get the popcorn. In at least in the fantasy that I tend to gravitate to the most, and I'm sure in plenty of your examples as well, mm-hmm. there is one character, and they are 
special. But that means that something bad has happened to them. They are probably kind mm-hmm. of isolated in their own life. Yeah. And they don't feel like they fit. And by the end of the story, they have found a community where they fit again. There's a bit to unpack there, and I get where you're going with this. That's great. There's like a character development thing with that, too, is we get to see the character. And like, not that that doesn't happen in plenty of contemporary fiction, kind of also a decent trait with a very romantic angle, specifically in romance Mm -hmm. novels, so that's possibly why we can also gravitate to a lot of those in our fiction as well. Of course, yeah, yeah, yeah. But I mean, Harry Potter has grown up unloved for the first 11 years of his life, minus the year when his parents were alive that he can't remember because he was a literal baby. Yeah. Until he gets to Hogwarts, and he makes friends, and he gets new family members. And he finds a community where he belongs. Yes, and he finds a community where he belongs. But he also has that character development of, like, realizing, like, his fame, like, creates more problems than it does where he gets isolated yeah. again in his own community, but he's able to rediscover that. Yeah. Mm. Do you struggle a little yeah. bit that he's maintained such a stable mindset after being, get in your closet, or, you know, he's, don't burn the bacon, you yeah. old snot. Truly, that's his superpower, is, like, right. not losing his literally. mind. Or yeah. burning the bacon, that's I mean, skill. literally, the point of The Little Mermaid is that she wants to be on land where the people are because she wants to. Like, everyone <laughs> says it's Prince Eric. <laughs> But what's her whole song? She wants to be a human. Oh, yeah. right. She wants Literally. to be part of that community. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. The Tortal books, especially the Alana books, are, hey, I'm a little girl who wants to fight, and nobody's going to let me do that, so I'm going to dress up as a boy and make all these friends who, when it turns out that I'm a girl, have my back unconditionally. That explains... The Shadowhunters books. Yeah. Narnia. Narnia. Because they all end up, you know, unless you're Susan. <laughs> But, yeah. I mean, Eustace, even. Yeah, Eustace right. and Jill. Yeah. They end up, yeah. like, yes. isolated, and Dig- they find a whole new community. Yeah. Diggory and Polly. Yeah. Oh. Diggory. Bella in Twilight. Yes. Because all of her friends become monsters. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so, again, not that this turned into a therapy session I never wanted to have recorded wow. and put on the internet, but... I feel like Carl Jung is doing... <laughs> Like somersaults in his grade. Don't worry, I won't tag <laughs> anyone. Checked on him. Um, you know what's interesting? Because as you were saying that, I immediately thought t- Tolkien somehow thought he was giving us a happy ending. But everything you just said, he does in reverse. Frodo begins with utmost community. Yeah. And by the end of it, he's the only one who can't live in it. Maybe that's why I've never felt the need to reread Lord of the Rings. It's awful. Hot take. Yeah, it's, it, but that's what's interesting is that he, like, Tolkien was convinced that he had worked himself into a happy ending. And he even invented a word, catastrophe, to talk about the exact kind of happy ending that he was, that the Lord of the Rings had to have in order for it to be a successful narrative. And it's like, yeah, but your hero can't live in the land that he made safe for his boo. Sam is his boo. I don't care what y'all say, okay? You're correct. But my point, you know what I mean? Like, he made sure that Sam and could build a family, but he can't build a family there. I mean, there's probably like, a lot sucks. of, like, <laughs> residual World War One trauma from oh, that. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. It's, it's, play, I mean, the whole but... thing, the whole thing is, I mean, the whole experiment of inventing that trilogy was him basically saying, look at how the world has changed and we're never going to get it back the way that it was. Um... Which, again, is really sad. <laughs> okay. I don't know, we've done all of that. Um, how am I going to answer my own question? How are you going to answer your oh. own question? Oh, gosh. Yeah, I don't know. Here's how I feel about, like, the obsessive nature of fantasy. I'm an obsessive person. Period. So I don't know exactly how to not be obsessed with fantasy. Like, and also, what's not to be obsessed, like... Right? Like, I can sit in a wardrobe. Or not even sit in a wardrobe. I can play hide-and-seek with my snotty siblings, all of whom kind of suck, and find myself (laughs) having tea with a fawn who is so wrecked with guilt that he makes sure I get home safely instead of turning me over to the white... He puts his neck on the line for me. And all he knows about me is my name and I'm not from here. <laughs> Which actually implicates his own death. Like, right. that's amazing. Like, 
where else in the world are you going to learn? Like, not, it's not even about learning a lesson per se, even though there's a little kind of a thing in yeah. there. Mm-hmm. But it's like, why would I not be obsessed with that? What? What? what are you kidding me? Like, it's amazing. It's it's great stuff. And because no, also, if you do that in realistic fiction. It gets so didactic and so preachy mm-hmm. and so formulaic so quickly. It also gets really creepy. I mean, an adult male is offering a, a female child, you know, tea and cookies and, oh, maybe I won't turn you in. And then he gets weepy and starts confessing about it. Ma'am, yeah. this is not Lolita. Take that note. Ah, <laughs> like, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but then in fantasy, I feel like also one of the signs of a decent fantasy is if it can take a real world issue. And you know what it is, and we all know what it is, but it's still interesting to read about, and it doesn't feel like you're being hit over the head with, like, whatever the point of view you're supposed to be taking away from it is, in a way that, again, like, let's talk about every problem novel that young adult fiction has ever written in contemporary fiction. This is for your ranking later on, like, I mean, this is a different little kind of thing, but, like, where does Avatar The Last Airbender fit in? Because in way, I mean, like in general. If you had to get like a ranking, of like most epic, awesome, okay, perfect as fantasy, far as I'm intellectual properties, you will never craft, and I'm including myself in this as a craftsman. No one will ever craft anything that bests Avatar: The Last Airbender. That's not happening. <laughs> period. It's that good. Fight me, fantasy fandom. It ain't getting better than that. It like. Talk about, you know, an article we read earlier this week about... If you guys don't have time for the cartoon, watch the movie. It's exquisite. <laughs> Get out. One, four, Go three. Home. East. <laughs> Bring swords. <laughs> or if you can bend fire, you know. Yes, right. <laughs> but a lot of books upstairs. A lot of books upstairs. Not... Yeah, don't, yeah, you know, maybe some airbending. Yeah, let's, you know, you know. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I mean, it's just, it's, it's... Talk about the fact that Avatar The Last Airbender managed, manages to have a, a magic system without actually having a magic system. Like, what makes... <laughs> what makes Katara waterbend? She just does. That's it. There's nothing... There's no, you know, reason or rhyme or system. She just waterbends. And the more she does it, the better she gets. When her teacher refuses to teach her because she's a girl, she goes, all right, fine, I'll fight you too. She does, loses, is still about to get up to try and whoop on him, and he goes, you know what? You actually did something about this, unlike the rest of these oafs that I have to teach, including the Avatar. Y'all could learn from her. Mm-hmm. Strong female character. Right, like Strong literally, this twelve-year-old girl is just like, "Come at me, old man! Your sexism is not okay. Neither is my brother's. I will fight all of you." Like, <laughs> absolutely. Where else can you get a story like that? It's every I mean, like, it's, it's, yeah, <laughs> you know what I mean? like, where else outside of fantasy, ma'am? Without it okay. being like when you, you know, qualified your question. Yes, yes. Okay, now I'm going to ask like the the the, the pointed, daggery question. Yeah. And you don't have to go all the way around in a circle. You can just sort of spitfire. Okay, oh no! Here we go. Will. Oh God. What is fantasy? Oh, that is a Spitfire question. Oh, no. Actually, you know, before we get on to that, I, I was thinking I was almost going to message you a question because as we we're all giving our favorite fantasies, we yeah. all have variations on fantasy. Yeah. So, like, if we were to attempt to define yeah. fantasy. Right. Like, and what it would have been kind of neat to, and we're going to do it now, I suppose, as we go around, yeah, right. what yeah. people defa- uh, define as fantasy because right. I'm sure there are people out there that you would ask 8-year-old, 10-year-old Andy, what's fantasy to you? Swords and sorcery, like raised on Conan the Barbarian. Barbarian. I wouldn't have ever factored, say, Star Wars. Now, Star Wars is still science fiction. But it's also, this, there's a fantasy the line there's a, in there. Yeah. Sometimes. It's also very much a fantasy. But, mm-hmm. you know, it, it, it straddles. <laughs> there's a journey in all yeah. of the fantasy novels that we all talked about. Does it have the hero's narrative? It's probably a fantasy novel. Well, well, but then there's Dune. Then there's Dune. <laughs> 
<laughs> I mean, into shreds yeah, and, you know, Dune just comes along history. and is like, not only is it science fiction, but there is no hero's journey. Right. And you're like, I'm sorry, what? <laughs> Which is just mean. All those LSD science fiction writers in the 60s. Uh, uh, uh. Um, <laughs> yeah, I mean, I feel like obviously, yes, when it has a wizard with a sword or a dragon or an elf or some fairies, right. like, it's probably a fantasy book. Like, but we also, can totally like, say demons and vampires and chaos gods that have tentacles on their face. Yes. <laughs> Is there magic of some sort, including creatures that do not exist in the current world? Or, possibly here's, a, a here's one for all of you classic lit nerds. Mm-hmm. And all of the English teachers are about to flip their noggins. Yes. But I'm sorry. When Satan shows up in the middle of the woods and robs a young woman from Salem of her pink ribbon, (laughs) so that when she returns home, young Goodman Brown realizes how soiled. That's fantasy. I hate to break it to you, because Satan shows up in the middle of the forest, and everyone is worshiping him as if they, like, and the way he's described is very like fawn-like. Yeah, so that checks like, out. That checks yeah, out. Yeah, and like literally, if you rip that section out of the story, the story doesn't make sense. It's literally girl left, girl returned without pink ribbon. Young Goodman Brown refuses to marry girl because she's been soiled. It's like okay, so like it's heavy-handed. It's also brilliant. I love that story. As somebody, point who, is that, as somebody like, who's never read it, that's scrub. Like, it is right? so no. It's Young no. Goodman Brown. That story is so. Don't. It is so extra. Don't. But like, it's one of those things that when Tell you tells me all the classics that I need to know. It's it's fun. It's Don't. it is yeah. It it has its it it's a lot. Um, it's but like, a lot. it's one of those things that like people will accept that Lovecraft with his ridiculous words, Eldritch, Squamous, like what the heck. <laughs> and these chaos gods banking on the edges of New York City trying to eat people alive, you know, and all of his, like, weird, like, slime frog creatures that come out in the middle of the night after drinking in a bar. Like, that's fantasy, but you can't accept, like, Satan showing up with hooves to rob a, an entire village of their godliness. Like, come on, people. Like, it's a... a yeah. Mm, sorry, I'm preaching. Religious fantasy? I'm not preaching. Maybe it's religious fantasy. I mean, like, I mean, like, yes. Because there's multiple different iterations thing. of Satan in different types of literature. Exactly. Um, and yes, in demonology, but like, yeah, like, I guess, how hard do you lump allegory into Paradise Lost is fantasy. You know, want to know why? Because the minute that Satan has a perspective about being kicked out of heaven, we have crossed over into fantasy. He's literally not humanized he's just taken seriously as an ex-angel and if he's taken seriously so is the god who made him and then adam and eve makes so much more sense because you've gotten an entire soliloquy (laughs) from lucifer about how unfair it is that he lost the war (laughs) like it's brilliant stuff but it's fantasy in my estimation, you know. No, I agree. I, I could agree. be wrong about this. It's fine. I'm not wrong. <laughs> There's like someone spitting out their their tea right now. They're like, "What was that address again? One, four, three. East I mean, Mommy. He gonna learn today." I mean, I'd like I, yes. to know they about their, this. They get their King James yeah. Bible. Ah, yeah. You'd like to know about my board? I would like to know because I keep staring at one specific part and I keep cackling internally and you all know in this room exactly which part uh, I'm cackling at. So I was, I was, Oh, uh, DWJ? <laughs> sure, why <Yeah>. not? <laughs> <laughs> no, it's Miyazaki, actually. Is it Miyazaki? Oh, no. Get out, I'm done. So I was actually thinking about this earlier, well, last night, actually, because I've been obsessing over this podcast for a few days. It's A few days? You know, obsession? A week? week? Since Never. it was mentioned as a possibility. <laughs> yeah, well, you know. Group chat? Um, before existence. <laughs> so, <laughs> any one of us can name, even if we name with, like, kind of a chagrin or a rage-filled scream, a Tolkien clone or two or three or 15. However, 
most people don't understand that there's literally a whole other way of doing fantasy that has just as much of a lineage that doesn't begin necessarily with C.S. Lewis, but one can draw a direct line from Narnia all the way through to the works of V.E. Schwab. I mean, literally, she sends her characters through a door to another world, which may feel like, oh, she's just kind of a fan of Narnia, but it's like, no, 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 because J.K.R. did it, and Neil Gaiman has done it, and Miyazaki can't stop doing it, and Diana Wynne Jones also literally like built 15 other doors and was like, let's go through all of them at once, because she's Howl's movie I mean, that person, and then there's Lewis. So are we just... Portal fantasying it, or because that's I mean, not. I suppose because that's not really that's Harry t- Potter. It's not not Harry Potter. Portal fantasy, you literally have to go from one world to another. The Wizarding World is a world. Diagon it's Alley. A world go into the Leaky Cauldron. World. I would call that urban fantasy. Of course, but urban. What is urban fantasy except? The, it, I believe the legit academic concept of a portal fantasy is it takes you to another separate world that is not part of our world. It's a working definition. I, I took a fantasy class yeah. in undergrad. <laughs> no, I know. I would. I know. Uh-oh. I'm saying. I'm saying. Can I some pop? Yeah. <laughs> what I'm arguing, I guess, is that there's room for interpretation that urban there's fantasy and cups. portal fantasy are. There are literal cups. Sisters? Well, like, not that they're not related. No, I'll give in you a that. way that neither one of them—they're like distant cousins to the barbaric to get more nature now. of the twin brothers, sword and sorcery, and epic fantasy, who seem to think that they're like one is—they're like, like so. Epic fantasy and sword and sorcery, I feel like, are Jacob and Esau, where epic fantasy has come to long, come along and been like, Esau, eat this lovely little <laughs> soup, and. <laughs> And sword and sorcery eats the lentil soup and is robbed of his inheritance forever. And epic fantasy keeps trying to fob off this, you know, rainbow coat. I'm doing Joseph and Rain- get get over it. But you know, he fobs off his rainbow coat onto Terry Brooks, and Terry Brooks runs around and is like, "Look at how inventive I am!" And then all the other, all the rest of the epic fantasy authors throw him in a well and kill him. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, like my awful. incredible metaphor aside (laughs) um, the point is that like the lineage like is there if you squint and look through a portal door hard enough or maybe not hard enough I just have I'm not going to call Harry Potter a portal fantasy but continue okay I hear you but think about this there's an evolution from the portal fantasy and also I'm going to bring up your fantasy love that you didn't consider a fantasy until you, no, I, you did. I, objectively, I know it's a fantasy. I just have trouble like thinking of it that way every time I think about it for what it means to me personally. Oh, but no. that is a hardcore urban fantasy. Yes. Like, in the sense that it begs, robs, and steals gleefully from, like, the urban fantasies that, like, nobody even reads anymore. Like, this, like the Borderlands kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, which... Again, Harry Potter, like, kind of mimics, mirrors, echoes to some degree. But the Wizarding World feels like an alternate universe as opposed to... Mm. You can literally take major British thoroughfares to travel. No, 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 I agree. No, I know, I know. Yes, I get it. But it's... Like, yes, those... it's, it's, it's an insular community. Yeah. But that's no different from the Shadowhunters. Why do they feel so different? You can't even really say it's like a parallel thing or anything. It's just insular. Is it? We'll go with that. Insular, it, clearly. I yeah. Because, like, you, I, I always like, I, I think I like the, the Snape's, Snape's house reveal. Mm-hmm. Oh. <laughs> but like they go to they go to a, a, a building side little spell later, and all of a sudden it expands. And it's just, it's hidden from view. You mean Sirius's house? Oh, yeah, it's Sirius's house. Not oh, yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh. yeah. yeah. tell my Harry Potter. Grimald Place. You know I who you didn't Grimald put on place. here? Mm-hmm. On this list? Through the looking glass. You're absolutely right. Because I think the precursor would, so, be, would be Alice. Because we, yeah. we were all, because we were all ranting about Harry Potter and being a portal fantasy and stuff. I'd like to introduce the term intertextuality to the, to the, to the, uh, Group game. Chat. 
<laughs> yeah, basically, how do I explain what it means? Yeah. It's connections between books or movies to other pieces of media slash books, yes. movies, literature. Oh, sure. And they can either be intentional, such as, um, for example, Kill Bill. Um, there's the Japanese girl that's in the middle of Kill Bill where they're having their sword fight or whatever, and the girl from it is literally from Battle Royale, and he's literally pulling from a whole other media source. And then you have unintentional intertextuality, and then you have um, accidental. Mm-hmm. And J- JKR for Harry Potter pulled from Through the Looking Glass. Yes, carry on. Through the looking glass, yep. you fall through the hole, and you're still technically in the same place, but it's also kind of, I guess, a portal, but no. Oh, I it's mean... It's a literal portal. It's a literal... Okay. But, <laughs> but, yes. You go yeah. through nine and three quarters, and you're, boom, another place. Yes. But It's let, not really a portal, but yeah. it's a... It's a semi-portal. But also, Inesbit, who nobody reads anymore unless you're British, um, P.L. Travers... P.L. Travers literally doesn't... She kind of does all of this in reverse, where she just brings a witch into the house of these kids. Yep. Period. Like, she doesn't explain, oh, the witch came from... No, she just walks on and is like, all right, here's the deal. Mary Poppins came in from the clouds From Like, she (laughs) just drops from the sky. It's the kind of thing that, like, the reason I, I put them all in one lineage together is because... Lewis is really the only one who, like, sticks to a strict portal. Our world is here. Their world is there. However, Lamppost came from our world. Did. From London. So the worlds influence one another, even if they're not, like, Rowling and um, Cassandra Clare's world in which the worlds are, like, kind of married Yes. Like, or as V. Schwab talks about, like, one foot in magic and one foot in the real world. Like, that's the yes. the balance, I guess, one You could, could literally describe. just cross the street and be in the other one as compared to C.S. Lewis, where you actually right. have to go through a physical you have portal. To go, yes. yes. But yeah, with yes. J.K.R. and V. Schwab, but you like, literally just cross the street. But oh, not hi. really. But not really. Because the, the thing about, about Harry Potter that is always striking is that you have to know not just where to go. Because Harry knows where to go. Because Hagrid tells him, mind your train ticket. This is where you go. He shows up. He sees nine. He sees ten. He sees no nine and a half. And he's like, well, great. Nine. Guess I have to go three quarters. Ooh, wow. <laughs> but, you know, he looks at them and he's like... All right, guess I'm going back with the Dursleys, and that's when the Weasleys show up, and they're like, "Oh, here's how you get through." Yes. So you have to like know, which is much more active than Lewis's world, which is you just kind of fall in. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, he does that. Admittedly, you do yeah. have to like drink the the drink me if you want to get yeah. through the actual, yeah right the next yes door. yeah. So what I'm saying is that these are all sort of like. They're in a lineage. They're in a literary, no, 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 I don't you know, that messy sort of... Because lineages in literature are messy anyway, yes. right? And, like, I would say that Diana Wynne-Jones is the real connecting piece because everything that all of the other authors attempted, she did, like, five times in one book. <laughs> it's ridiculous. Like, she is... The fact that she is known for a Miyazaki adaptation of her movie... Okay. <laughs> is, ...or of her book is so criminal... So criminal because with style and Wait, flair, what? she blew the entire fantasy world open for decades. Literal decades. Like, I'm convinced that J.K. Rowling read a Crestomancy novel when she was like eight and Maybe. completely forgot it, and it resurfaced as Harry Potter because the, the similarities in the way that they even deal with the UK are so frightening. Um, like, scarily similar that you're like, did you? Girl! <laughs> like, did you take advantage of the fact that these were out of print? What is Control happening here? Control-B, Control-C. <laughs> right. But, like, it's just that close. There are distinct differences in character development and all those things. But, like, still, like, just... There's a direct line of influence there. And it's fascinating when you then insert someone like Gaiman and Miyazaki, who are, you know, dudes... Which I guess doesn't really matter, but you know what I mean. Like the Miyazaki's from over in Japan doing things. It just it's it's it fascinates to me. 
I like it. And it's more interesting and more varying than, you know, the Wheel of Time and Westeros. I came for you. Bum, fantasy. Bum, Get bum, over bum, it. Bum, 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 Look, here's my problem. I would like the Winds of Winter to come out. Wait, what? Okay, I did. He's actually working on a sixth book? Okay, <laughs> but I'm sorry. When C.S. Lewis gives me more black people, <laughs> then you're in higher. Valid. That's valid. Like, come on. I I can't. C.S. Lewis has more women and more black people than Tolkien ever attempted. Uh, Yep, you're not wrong. Why are we cloning him? Not to say that he isn't a genius. Because Because he wrote for adults. There may be something to that. There may be something to that. I don't want to get into it. It's... (laughs) It makes me angry. Which is to say, okay, there's also something saddeningly depressing when you think about, like, why maybe there were earlier attempts. And I'm imagining you're Diana Wynne-Jones. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I'm going to go so far as to say I'm going to be the evil person for a moment here. When I was a five-years-old individual and you put, like, a book in front of me and said, oh, it's written by a woman. At I'm five? Like, I'm exaggerating it. No, but really, it's But, like, think about that. It's a historical kind of point of view. That's why so many women, as, as an author, as authors, went by initials. That's literally Maybe, again, initials. thinking up a little uh, example for going up to, like, C.S. Lewis, and um, why is, why is, like, well, Tolkien, why is he the foundation? Why is everything borrowed from him? Maybe because it was the white people that could afford it. Well, and I'm, yeah, okay. It's, it's, and they're the influential ones. They're the academics. Uh, I, I don't agree with it. It wasn't lauded by academics. They hated it. Because it was just that fantasy garbage. I mean, why should I read fantasy when I have James Baldwin? Which but I again, don't necessarily even disagree, there's a certain like, there. <laughs> It was bought by people. Yeah, fans. And like, then eventually yeah. it became lauded, you know, critically well-received, yeah. eventually academically appreciated. Yeah, I don't know. I feel By like... I, but the problem is, is that the question did not arise. And you read that essay, Jen, that I sent. Yeah. I, yeah. Actually, question, you put up some good stuff. I need to read them. Sorry. So the question of race in fantasy was not even interesting to, fan, to, to the readership until the early 2000s. And even then, they were still, like, messing it up. If you have the time, all of you, and all of you people in Podcastlandia... Hmm? Google race fail, one word. Okay. Or, and make sure you put in science fiction and fantasy right behind it, just because that'll give you the, the sharpest results. 2008-9, um, Nettie Corfor wins for the best novel um, for World Fantasy Award. Oh, nine? At the time, it was a bust of none other than Mr. Lovecraft. Oh, God. She didn't know anything about Lovecraft. She was like, hey, I won an award for my debut novel, and this is pretty great. Oh, no. Then her ex-husband goes, um, so you know that that guy is, like, the most racist American author, right? And she's like, what are you talking about? Literally finds a poem that has the N-word fully typed out in the title of the poem. And so she goes, oh, this will not stand, because <laughs> she's Nigerian-American and they tolerate no nonsense. I love it. And everyone suddenly <laughs> is like, wait a minute. Where are the black people in fantasy? Do black people even read fantasy? And suddenly everyone, all the black people in fandom were like, yes. Hello. We've been here. Where y'all been at? Like, you know, and so suddenly things could happen. Conversations could happen that never happened before. Why is Luke Skywalker white with blonde hair on a desert planet with two whole suns? <coughs> Why is Anakin Skywalker white with blonde hair? Hello? <laughs> like, I'm, I'm done. We need a smack. What's your smack? Okay, the one I thought of specifically for you personally. <laughs> oh, oh boy. Peter, Edmund, and Caspian. Oh! That is rude. <laughs> Why would you do that? Oh, knowing how Caspian's no! lineage turned out, I don't know if I want my children to go through that. Um, so, ooh, uh, all right, you marry Edmund. 
I know. That's, Risky that's, choice. That's actually I what know. my idea but was going to be. Think, uh, think, think uh, about uh, the arc. Think about the arc. I think, think about she the just arc. <laughs> the astral projector. The full arc. The full arc. The but whole I thing. I love Peter Pevensey. I, I love Peter Pevensey too. You, but book, pe- book Peter is smarmy and self-righteous. I like Edmund's character development more. Exactly. Because he has one. <laughs> so then you kill Peter. Oh no! Because... Ben Barnes in that beard on that <laughs> ship with a dragon affixed to the front of it. That's just some good sea voyage. So you snog for the summer, let him marry his little star star wife, and you get married to Edmund. It's a good time. That was too easy. But Thank I, you, though. But I really love Peter. Wait, yeah, what would yours be? I, I'm actually I have to marry Peter because of who I am as a person. And? I have protagonist syndrome like that. But also Lucy, like, loves Peter the most. Yes. Yeah, it's it's a thing, and you're definitely Lucy. Who would you Thank snog you. and who would you kill? I don't like, because, like, I agree. Like, the thing is, like, where is Edmund in his arc? Because I can kill him if he's still selling everyone out to the witch. <laughs> he can go. You're Mr. Beaver, then. Yeah. We are going to die. If you're not going to be here and pull your weight, you get thrown off the boat. <laughs> Love. But if he has redeemed himself, then I genuinely don't know if I can decide. All right. But does anyone else want to I, answer I'm going to throw it out there. Yeah. I'm going to kill Edmund every day, all day. Oh, I'm, I really have no dog in this fight, but I'm going to kill Because, you know, I, I grew up with four siblings. <laughs> and even at times when we'd power bomb each other, we'd stab each other, we'd do all these horrible things to each other, you... You don't know. If any one of my siblings, my sister sold me out for Turkish light. <laughs> yeah, that there is a line you do not cross. He is going through World War II sugar rationing. <laughs> but the witch isn't. Oh, he is. He oh. Is. <gasps> like, yeah. That's... We all think it tastes like trash, but he hasn't had sugar in like four years. Oh, wow. Oh, that's cold. I blame Churchill. <laughs> All right, Sorry, Eddie. Okay. On. Aaron. Polly, Susan, and Lucy. Just for... See, that's what I was going to do. Polly. See, I was going to throw Jill in there. I was going to, but like... I'm kind of curious what you have in your hands. Jill, Polly, and Susan, because Lucy I is made an great, automatic I went out of a few with my hands. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, so Polly, Susan, and... Polly, Susan, and Jill? Jill. Okay. <laughs> you got to marry Polly, just because that's your best life. That you're living long term is if you marry Polly Plummer. Jill's Jill's a firecracker. I'd marry her in a heartbeat. It's been a minute since I've read The Silver Chair, though, too, so I don't have as much, like, I just have better memories of Polly than I do of Jill right now. So, Uh, but probably you make out with Jill. And, like, at least if you kill Susan, she gets to reunite with all of her siblings. Honestly, though, I Ouch. might. I, yeah, I, <laughs> Ouch. Oh, that's Ouch. true. Ouch. Ooh, you thought this through. <laughs> Wow, Grant, either either one, like, either no, oh. Do we have to end Did you pick you? one out, Grant? What? Did you pick one out for uh, yes. the I, I, I had, like, a few that were in my hand, and I went pick one. Do we want to do this? Let's do it. Um, so, I find this one really ironic, considering we were just talking about this yesterday in the group chat. Okay. But I have Louis Lestat and Armand. All right. All right. <laughs> and yeah. give, I give literally us, just... Give us the... Who are they? <laughs> Correct answer. And Andy has just astral projected out of his childhood. You've never watched, at least, even if you've never read the books, have you ever watched Interview the Vampire? No. You are missing out. Hold on. I, I, I mean, feel like this is something you would have watched. Neither have I. Yeah. Neither have I. Is that the one with Tom Cruise? And yes. Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. one of my mom's favorite movies, but it's I've never seen it. It's amazing. How? Even as a like, as a film, you would. Yeah. There are things in there that you just would need. I don't to want to get near Anne Rice with a ten foot pole. That I will agree with only because she's very purple. Prose. She's also terrible. Herself. Wait, what? Oh, fan fiction. Got it. I forgot oh. about that. Um, but I was going to argue your pro statement. Like, we were talking about it earlier. Like, it's, it's funny that there are times when you're like, you will describe something. I'm like, oh, dear God, he likes prose language. Or purple prose. No, Five minutes later, you bring up. I love purple We've prose. talked about it before. You've said. I like rhythmic I, I feel like, so, for, for like poor Grant, who doesn't know anything about Interview with the Vampire, Antonio <laughs> yeah. Banderas, Brad Pitt, or Tom Cruise, go. <laughs> okay. That, 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 that makes it easier. Um, <laughs> yes. I'm, I'm so curious. 
Can I just can I can I choose for you? Choose for me. What? We're gonna send Tom Cruise down the rabbit. We're killing him. We're stabbing him. We're letting him bleed out. He's done. I don't care. You can pick random. Please don't. Stop. But I would probably want to snog. Oh, I, I'm gonna snog Antonio Banderas. Yeah, I'm this okay. one. with that. And I'm gonna marry Brad Pitt because he puts up with some BS in his lifetime. Like, okay. Do you want However. to be the step parent to all eight million of his children? <laughs> but so I'm just saying, you? if I put him through that, he would still love like me. Like Brad or Louis? Brad Pitt. Well, okay. If we're going, mm, but if you're going, I would with probably like Brad over Louis all day. Okay, I, oh, okay, I, I was thinking actress, sorry. If we're gonna go with strict characters, I'm probably gonna... I'm gonna snog Armand. I'm gonna go with Armand. So, yeah. we're going that way. I'm still so gonna marry Louis, actually, at Mirrors. And, Lestat, man, you're, you're cool. I know they built it, and I love you as a character. You two extra. <laughs> you need to calm it I down. Agree. But that's just because um, Anne Rice was in love with him. But I, I like Lestat as a character. I love reading about Lestat. Taylor Swift count reference. Alrighty. Yay. Oh no, wait, 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 Grant, what? No, I, I was gonna give my final verdict. Yes. Please. Yes. 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 Please. Tom, yes. Tom Cruise is the third person, right? Yeah. Okay, I would kill Tom Cruise. <laughs> Because there is a certain emptiness behind his his his, his, his like famous smile. Yeah, he's like, there's, so, there's the Scientology in him. Yes, yes, <laughs> agreed. Uh, <laughs> uh, then Snog Antonio, obviously, and then that leaves Brad. So yeah, Brad's great. Just, Have you guys seen that SNL video sketch that's like a parody of like Scientology? No, but I need no, to. No, but that's gonna happen. So I looked up your race fail thing, okay. and there's a whole fan lore page dedicated to it. I so I need thing. to read so, it. Okay. And it's can, long. can I tell a quick joke? Too. Um, we'll this think is about in it. a second. Unfortunately, I, you control the microphone, so yeah, I guess we true. have to and say also, yes. And also, none of us is currently working right now, so it's fine. So I read those first four Harry Potter books, and I thought they're so delightful and lighthearted, right? Then I got to that fifth one, dead serious. <laughs> oh yeah, no, I saw that one. Yeah. This is that one on Saturday. This is, this is like three days video. old. So you know what's funny? So can is we have Jen give him a pink later? The death later? of Sirius was so not the thing to make me cry because the rest of the scene was still happening. And I was like a little miffed that I had to stop this fascinating scene for Sirius to die. Like, I'm like, let's go, come on, go, kill him like you killed Cedric, and let's move. Got worse. It was so good. And then you get back to Dumbledore's office and Dumbledore says exactly the wrong thing to Harry. And Harry just goes ham on his He office. destroys and the I office. I am literally like spitting the tears. <laughs> I, it, like it was awful. And my like friend walks up to me in the cafeteria and she goes, Oh my god, what are you doing out in public? And I was just like, Why didn't you tell me? It <laughs> was great. Yeah. Okay, but the one that hurts the most is Hedwig. Yeah. No. Uh, I actually cried. Dobby. I cried. Oh, Dobby hurt. Dobby hurt, but Hedwig was just like yeah, mean. unnecessary. Hedwig was so it unnecessary. It was mean. Yeah. And it was like Dobby again. Like it's mean, but there's almost like a just like he was doing something for the plot at the time. Hedwig just died to get her out of the way for the camping trip. I never thought of that. Oh, that's so sad. I think the thing with Hedwig's... Oh, I never thought of that. Yes. That is so mean. You couldn't have left the dang... The, 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 you're not going to put this in. You could have left the damn bird with Mrs. Weasley? Yeah. Like shit. So your girlfriend might want to send you a letter, Harry Potter. 